Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Hey, everybody. This is Tank Sinatra. You're listening to the Think Tank Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm glad to have you here. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a favor. Head over to iTunes and leave a review. I love reading them. And if you want access to the full archive with episodes such as Jesse Itzler, Dan Soder, Derek Huff, DMC, go to gasdigitalnetwork.com and use promo code TANK for two free weeks and access to all the other shows on the network. Enjoy the episode. Are they all here? All but one. I'm going anyway. I'm the best at what I do. You're listening to the Think Tank Podcast. Look at that fucking smile on my face. With your host, Tank Sinatra. Dan. Yeah. Welcome back, bro. Dude, this is that's great uh, male stripper warm-up music. I was thinking it would be my my walkout song if I ever became a wrestler. It would be? That's yeah. uh can you Shannon, can you just play the audio of that? It's called pandering. Yeah. I wouldn't be a wrestler. Are you yeah, you would. I'm already you built look. like a wrestler. <laughs> You're built like you look like an indie wrestler. You know, know how many guys I've seen like you go through tables? A lot. How many? Rough rough estimate. Twelve, at least. That's not a lot. Um, That's a lot to watch. Twelve men go through tables. Twelve different men that well, look like you. You know what? A That's prod- impressive. I've seen zero, so I guess yeah, maybe it dude, is a lot. Let's start going to local wrestling together. I'll go. Just in a gymnasium. They're going to try and pull me into the ring and shit. I'm telling know. you. That's why I'm, I'm trying to get you discovered. Oh my god! All right, maybe. Um, the way so... creepy parents take their kids to beaches. <laughs> 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 my daughter's beautiful. Take your Someone shirt off. Discover her. Take your shirt off. Honey. Yeah. yeah. Well, not the girl. That's weird. All yeah. right, we can. Can we start over? I don't know. It could be Europe. Fuck. Um, Dan Soder. Hi. You're the only and first repeat guest on the Think Tank. Let everyone else know that. I am the only repeat guest. The only one worth having back on. Yeah, thanks, bud. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. You are one of my favorites, so you're really funny. Thanks, and dude. you have a, uh, and you're a nice guy, too, which, I, which I'd like to mention, because I've met everyone on my podcast that I've had on, yeah. I've liked, but because I got to sit and talk with them for about an hour, there have been people that I've met that I, you know, thought I would enjoy meeting and um it didn't go that well yeah that's a that's a shitty reality of this business it's just people though yeah it's something that i've learned i learned when i moved to new york one of the things that was like so awesome about moving to new york as a comedian is you were just seeing other comedians that you grew up listening to yeah and idolized like at the table and sometimes that's not fun yeah sometimes (laughs) it's like oh shit i wish i had never met you because now you now i can't look back to those moments and be like he's still one of my heroes now you're you're not funny yeah it's still like you know the work speaks for itself, but there are people that I've met that have been like, man, yeah. We and have. on the other hand, there's been people I've met that have been so cool that you cheer for them harder. Yeah. Matt Damon is one of those guys. Yeah, Matt Damon. If you ever get the privilege to meet Matt Damon, he's a very nice man. I would like to meet him. And then people... you're just kind of like, man, everything you make is way better now. Well, everything he makes is great. Anyway. I know. But imagine. But imagine if how much better it is if you met him and he was nice to you. I bet he's been mean to people. Oh, People don't sure. think of that. There's got to be run-ins where you're just not having a day. Well, I'm sure that, you know, th- but that's what you realize when you get around people who you used to look up to and still maybe look up to or, or yeah. haven't discovered yet. And you find out that, I don't know, when you're not, maybe it's different now with social media because you have so much access to people and everyone makes them their lives so open and you can really see who people are but are they opening their lives or are they performing for a camera well they're they're opening their lives as much as my aunt on facebook like it's just you know what i mean like it's not maybe they're performing for the internet a little bit but it's still more there's less um like i always think of that that for uh the scene from braveheart where they thought william wallace is going to be like 20 feet tall because of all the stories about him because back then 
you only had stories and you only <laughs> had people embellishing and exaggerating in the telephone game. But now it's like Tom Cruise is five two. It's fine. He's good <laughs> in Mission Impossible. But yeah, you could be a short king. William Wallace was a short king. Was he short? I think he was like. Well, he wasn't twenty feet tall. He wasn't twenty feet tall, but Let's say um, that. I got to do the Fringe Festival in Scotland this year, and yeah. um, I went with a bunch of friends to like a castle. You can like tour one of the castles in Edinburgh, and it's really cool. And we were doing it. And, what uh, what country is this in? Scotland. Sco- Scotland. Yeah. yeah, this is Scotland. That's what I thought. I just wanted to. Yeah, and it was it was uh, sure. I was in this castle, and for so so when you brought up William Wallace, I just for the rest of the time of my trip, I saw William Wallace's like. Um, like his seal, you know, they had like a paint, a window pane of William Wallace and Robert the Bruce or whatever. And uh, my friend Becky that I was with, I just kept doing Bill Burr as William Wallace. He was like, <laughs> I'm serious, freedom, you need freedom. And I was just walking around <laughs> doing that. And for some reason, that's the only memory I have of right now of William Wallace. When you said that, I was like, oh yeah, we were being annoying in Scotland. Was he a real person, William he was, Wallace? He was 6'5". He was 6'5"? Yeah. Oh, wow. So he's not, he's a tall king. Yeah. That is pretty tall. 6'5 is fucking big back then. How tall are you? 6'3 and a half. Why the half? You're not tall enough? <laughs> yeah, just a rub it in. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a fucking end zone dance. You, if you're listening to this, you, you can't see this, but Dan just knocked the table, almost knocked my water bottle I over. I almost knocked over your demolition and, man and water. And seamlessly just put it back on its, on its core yeah. axis. This looks like what they transport the balls in in the rock. Yeah. You know, where they're like... It, there is a little bit of a tesseract feel to it. Yeah, where you can feel, pull it. and do, yeah. Are you breeding dinosaurs? All right, wait, because we're so, hold on. There's only one thing that I want to do. I have no format for this. I have a a series of questions that I want to ask you, but I probably won't get to them. Yeah. I like to read a review before each episode because I want to acknowledge people. You're a masochist. No, they're good. Oh, you read the good ones. I would read a bad one. I haven't gotten any yet. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you just challenged That's someone. not a challenge. That was not a challenge. Ch- <laughs> well, if you're one of the few people listening to this, you're probably not going <laughs> to write a bad, bad review. This one is from Mo Nelly. So funny and insightful. Cannot rave enough about this podcast. Meaning, glow sticks, drugs, Loves garage. It. Raves yeah. it. All the guests are intelligent, that's you, and provide such interesting perspective on life. I have bought probably, Shannon, this goes to uh, something we spoke about. I have probably bought 10 books referenced on this podcast. Tank, please make a book list. I'd give this 10 stars if I could. Look at that. She should have given it 10 stars because then it would be 5.1. Yeah. Which is impossible. But I Sha- think she's invited. Invite her in for a show. That's Monelli. How- I should have her in. Or her. Or him. Or, or him. whatever. Whoever. Yeah, she didn't, he, they didn't uh, they give any. They are welcome. We I all learned. know all about that from we billions. We all learn. We all learn. Um, yeah, Shannon said that I should make some kind of a book list because I talk about books so much. Yeah, you recommended a book to me recently that I was like, oh, I looked it up and I was like, yeah, I ordered it. Yeah, which one? So, uh, Ego's the Enemy? Yeah. So fucking good, dude. Ryan Holiday sat right in that seat. That is pretty badass. Your butt is touching stoic royalty. <clears throat> Just fucking trying to get in it. Get in my butt, Ryan Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going to say that. Get up in my butt, Ryan Holiday. I need your knowledge. No, I love shit like that. I like um, I like going back and reading books that, um, you know, The War of Art is always one that I go back and read. I try to read Stephen Pressfield? Yeah, I try to read that once a year. He's fucking, he's a beast. There's a lot of great, there's a lot of uh, um, really good stuff that's like, I don't own, a, I haven't owned a car since I moved to New York. And I forgot that you used to have to go get like uh, tune-ups. Yeah, you know, get recal, get your wheels recalibrated. I think yep. books can do that for you. They can, oh like, yeah, I'm reading The Alchemist again. So good. After I, have... I taped the special, I was like, just kind of in a weird place, and I was like, I gotta just read something that makes me feel comfortable, motivates me. Your happiness was under your pillow the entire time, right there. You didn't even know it. Right there was the book. He's written a bunch of good ones. I this tattoo on my arm is a tat uh, about the book The Aleph. Okay, that he wrote. Yeah. Um, 
He wrote The Winner Stands Alone. That's a fucking good one about fame. And yeah, do you people. do a book list. Yeah. You should do a 2019 book list and put it out. I should. They're not all from 2019, but that Who doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? When I read books, I feel like I'm I'm literally a better person. Like, I operate differently in the world. I was having a conversation with this about somebody, but within the age of social media, I don't think people realize how much reading they're doing. They're just not aiming it right. Yeah, it's just all over the place. You're just reading, like, weird articles about... Captions. How something's a mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not fucking... Go read a book, dude. I mean, I really feel like uh, we're the generation that's... Our generation, and the, especially the generation after us, is the generation that's going to have to f- to face the end of planet Earth. Yeah, you guys should start read. We all should start reading. We all should start reading how to farm. Well, Nate, to, Nate Bargatze's bit one of the best of on time. being a time traveler. Yeah, is, well, I think he thinks if he would travel through time, no one would know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like you know, the you know the uh, they have iPhones. You know, the phones you can carry. Oh, how do they make them? Uh, shouldn't yeah, I shouldn't even have said anything. anything. Yeah, I, I would never be able to explain. Half of what I enjoy. No, but reading a book and having actually that physical weight that you finished something. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, it's, this is, I put time into this. Yeah. I know what's in this thing. Even audiobooks are not the same satisfaction as reading a physical book. Not to be a dinosaur, you know, old person, but there really is some kind of satisfaction that comes from flipping the pages, seeing how far you've made it in a week, you know, three quarters of the way through. I also read an article that, um, if you read a book before bed, uh-huh. something that you can get to your REM cycle faster. Really? Because it's something about like uh, reading paper, and there's not a there's not a glow back. The blue, the blue light. Yeah, yeah. there's not a blue light, so you kind of read that in your eyes. So I tried, I, I tried doing that. It doesn't stick. It never sticks. I no, it's it hard like, to read in bed. I did it for like two weeks, and then you I just lay fucking... down in bed and just stare at the wall and sailing, and then I'd be like, it's just a bed, it's just a book laying on me on bed, and I'm like, this counts. It's on your heart. Yeah, I'm like, I guess you need, a, you need a spelunking helmet to read in bed. Dude, yeah, I would love to. Have you ever gone spelunking? No, only in Carmen San Diego. Yeah. The game. I always, uh, I always think- It's the only so, reason I even know what it is. I know it, because I'm from the Rocky Mountains. I'm actually You've from, gone spelunking in real no, life? Not oh. at all. Jesus. I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot of daytime television. I was left alone a lot. But when they uh, they do the coolest thing where they <laughs> let where they let go of the rope, you know, and they're like yeah. zzz, zzz, that just looks like the only part of spelunking you want to do, where you get dropped into a cave. Yeah, and you're like, guys, yeah, just twirling around. Uh, you might want to see this. I've always wanted to say that. I went into a cave in Bermuda. All right, that was uh, it. Was pretty. Amazing. Yeah. The the depth of it and how far it went and the water beneath and whatever. But the way they discovered it was two kids were playing with a tennis ball in like the late 1800s or some kind of a ball. And the ball yeah. went into a crack and they couldn't find it, but they heard it hit water. <clears throat> so they do- they went down and they just slid down the face of this cave and wound up in this dark dark cave with no light and they couldn't see anything they were in water they were screaming Wait, they were, they how in. deep was the water like where they couldn't feel the bottom because that is fucking terrifying Being this, completely in black and yeah. you see water and you're like what's in here oh you think oh, fuck, I'm, you're, <laughs> you're trying to breathe right like oh i would definitely be freaking that's out. i would i would be and they were like 12 oh my god that was the high-pitched screams coming out of that cave and there's nobody around no. at that time that time, that no. was when you could actually get lost. Yeah. That was when kids died by falling. Yeah, lost for No real. one dies by falling anymore. Now you just call someone. Well, now people die by falling, taking a selfie on the edge exactly. of the Grand Canyon. It all comes full circle. <laughs> it does. Uh, when I was in Edinburgh, uh, I went I went uh, and hiked Arthur's Seat, and um, I hiked it with my agent. My agent's like, you know that there was like a cave that they found a bunch of like 
voodoo dolls back in like 1826. That's and you're scary. like, oh, fuck, that's terrifying. Yeah. And just her bringing that up, I'm like, I don't know why you're bringing that up. If you think I want to go to that, I do not. Yeah. Well, then maybe that's why they brought it up so that you could tell you them. Solve the case? No, so you could say I do not want to go there. Yeah, I absolutely am. I'm fine. Little... I can stand up for myself and say I don't want to go to your voodoo caves. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so... I will go spelunking. Let's put that on the list. I'm ready to go Let's whenever you are. Let's do a book list and a fucking a like, travel list. A cave list. We'll do a, ca- we'll do a fucking vacation list. <laughs> Me and you, vacationing across the world. So, big news for you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to build I'm up pregnant. some- i <laughs> <laughs> I'm with child. That was a pregnant- And it's yours, Senator Thomas. That was a pregnant pause is what I was doing. Yeah. There. So you filled it in with a baby. I um, did. You're the first man to be pregnant. How yeah, you remember the movie Junior? <laughs> well, guess what? It took about 13 years, and they put a. They came in my butt, and I had a baby. <laughs> I was wondering how I was going to go. Ryan Holiday put a baby in your butt. Oh, dude, Ryan Holiday! I a have little, a knowledge baby. A little I have baby. a knowledge baby growing in my uterus. So that's uh, terrible. So you have a special coming out. Yeah, HBO Soon. Hour Special. And the name of it is Son of a Gary. Son of a Gary. December 7th, 10 p.m., and then after that, you can just stream it on HBO Go, HBO Now. December 7th, 10 p.m. You know what I have to say to you? What? I feel um I feel bad that I didn't go to your recording because I told you I was going to go and I had it in my calendar for like three months. Yeah. And then a reminder popped up the day before. Yeah. And I was like, there's no, my wife was going to be at work. I was like, this fucking sucks. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it into there. And I felt terrible, but you were surrounded by love and friends. It was, uh, that was one of the most stressful things. I've learned two things by recording a special in New York. Uh, it's incredibly rewarding to like sleep in your own bed. The night after? Before oh, the night, the night up. <clears throat> kind of, it feels very much like a home game. I rode the train to the venue just to, it was like, were easier. you nervous? Yeah, because I wanted to get it. I, I wasn't nervous about like the material. I'd worked the shit out of the material. Yeah. I was more nervous like, I just hope it clicks. I hope the, the crowd is good. I hope I'm good. I hope everything goes right. And the first show, I didn't feel that. I felt like the crowd was good, and I was good. And then um, the best thing in the world was to have that green room filled with just my friends that are comedians yeah. that have done this, that have been through this. You know, Michelle Wolf was like, Hey, you know this. This is the first show always sucks. It's always the second so- show, which is that happened on my first special too in, in Philly. I didn't like the first show, then the second show I had a great time. Yeah. Big J was there, said the same thing. Nate surprised me. He showed up. Yeah. I didn't think he was gonna make it, and then he showed up in between tapings. And then uh and then it just kind of relaxed me. And then it was like you just go out the second show, and it was so much fun. The crowd was fucking great. Uh, I had a lot of friends from home in the audience, and so it was just kind of like a fun thing to do. And then I when I got off stage. I'm bad at gauging that shit. And uh, all my friends were like, yeah, that was it. The no, second that, show. Yeah, they're like, that, that's it. So what I'd like, like, I don't even think you need to watch the first show. I would use the second show. What I'd like to do... Um, because we're going to bring in the second show. <laughs> <laughs> we got them all here. Come on, guys. Bring them in. It's hot enough. Um, no, so I think that it's very... I mean, specials are obviously a big deal for the comedian yeah. that does them. They're a big deal for their fans. They're a big deal for... Potential fans that may not have heard of you that are going to be exposed to you for the first time through this special in HBO. Sure. So I want to go through and dissect the anatomy of a special, how it happens from start to finish. Yeah. So you did your first, yeah, the Comedy Central special was how many years ago? Well, I did, uh, my first special was a half hour, Comedy Central Presents, or it was called the half hour on Comedy Central back in 2013. Uh-huh. And that's usually like... Um, how Comedy Central used to work is they used to have shows like Premium Blend 
And they used yep. to have shows like Live at Gotham. Yep. And then those were kind of the showcase shows. They still kind of do those. They did them with like Adam Devine's House Party. They have kind of showcase shows occasionally on Comedy Central to basically be like, hey, here's young comics coming up. Yep. These are the people. I did season four of Live at Gotham in 2009. And like you look at that fucking roster and it is insane. It's like Nick Kroll, uh, Kumail, who else was on that? Chris D'Elia, Eliza Schlesinger, um, Sean Patton. Uh, fucking Kyle Kinane. Like, these amazing comics are all on this season. It was the season before Joe List and Nate Bargetzi and a bunch of other people did it. So I did Live at Gotham, and then you kind of, you know, if you keep fucking around with Comedy Central, they give you a half hour. Yep. So I got a half hour, <clears throat> and then it came the time to do the hour special, and uh, I chose Comedy Central, which I think in hindsight, you know, it was good to do. All yeah. paths leave you to where you are, but um, no one saw it. I busted my ass and, and worked on it and like really put a lot of time into the editing and all this, but then it was the old model. It you're was, you're involved in the editing? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your special. Yeah. It's your special. It's you should be involved with everything, top to bottom. Nothing should go out that you don't know about. Yeah. I mean, I I understand being very busy and it was very hard on this HBO special. But uh, I feel like you should know everything that's going out. Sure. You should at least, because if something gets out that you don't know it, that, that that's a misrepresentation of you. Yeah. So you're like, fuck that. So is that what you're doing right now? Yeah. Like, I'm oh, I'm in God. the thing, like, I'm doing now, this is actually not that Wait, hard to, like, come and hang out. We'll go, we'll, we'll get to that, because I want to, I want a skeleton flesh yeah. hair. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the skeleton is, is that I did an hour on Comedy Central, and I didn't really feel like anyone saw it. Then Netflix came around. And, and what did. made you think that no one saw it? No one fucking saw it. <laughs> it like, they aired it, like, fucking three times, and then they're like, here's a link to tell people. So what, I'm like, the worst self-promoter. Of all time. So what, you saw no bump in your social? You I just saw, saw no bump, bump in, your, saw in your tickets? I saw an inevitable bump in my social because it was on Comedy Central. Yeah. And it was a good hour. Yeah. So people watched it and were like, oh, who's this guy? It was. It's kind of cool now that people can go back and be like, yo, if you dig this HBO hour. Live forever, yeah. Go see my old fucking hour. Go find it somewhere, wherever yeah. Viacom has decided to hide it yeah. online. They don't make it easy. They do not make it easy. And that was really my biggest gripe with Comedy Central. Everything besides that was, they were amazing to work with. They were, it was just a fun thing to make. The one bummer was no one saw it. And so then uh, in comes Netflix and they do the stand-ups. So I, d I did, uh, I taped the hour, December of 2015. It came out May 2016 December of 2016 Michael Che was taping his Netflix special and at his special uh, Netflix came up to me and was like we're doing a half hour we're doing like six half hours it was in November yeah like, we're doing six half hours he's like I want you to be one of the half hours Nate's the other white guy he's uh -huh. like I get two white guys I want it to be you and Nate I was like fucking hell yeah yeah he's like can you get the half hour I said yes it had been from May to so it had been about six months. I just didn't really feel like I had it, had it. Yeah. And I was like, maybe, maybe. Let's let's talk about it. But he, but they said something that really sold me on it. They're like, no one saw it. He came up and he was like, <laughs> no one saw your hour. So why don't you come to Netflix and people can see your stand-up? Yeah. And you're like, fucking sold. God, Netflix is good, huh? Yeah. And then they fucking pay you, like, and we'll pay you the same. And you're like, who are you? Yeah. What kind of drug? I feel like a... A pretty girl getting picked up by a drug dealer, where, uh -huh. where it's the beginning of the movie, <laughs> where everything's cocaine? like, oh, boats and waterfalls, and yeah. I, I get a fucking leopard as a pet. Little do then, you know. And then the DEA is just fucking, dur, 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 get the fuck down. <laughs> We've heard this before. I, 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 I just met him. Um, so we, 
So I did the half hour, and I, I feel like I kind of jumped the gun a little bit on the half hour. I feel like I was stretch, stretched a little too thin on the Netflix half hour, and I don't feel like it could – I feel like it could have been better. And uh, I think that was really important to me because that kind of was like – I understood right then and there, like, if I'm going to make a special, uh-huh. I want to be ready for it. And so then in December – so that was March of 2017. In December of 2018, I kind of felt like I had an hour where I was like, it's about 50 minutes, and I like it. December of 2018? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then my agent got in contact with HBO and was kind of like, hey, you should check out Dan. He's in the city headlining the cellar. And they came down. Uh, the cellar was doing these like Tuesday night headlining sets because usually it's a showcase club. And they were like, let me headline a 7 o'clock show. HBO came, saw it, liked it. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we're like, let's do an hour in 2019. Yeah. <clears throat> to Netflix credit, uh, we had to reach out to Netflix because that half hour there was like a first look deal. And I th- we talked to Netflix and we're kind of like, hey, listen, HBO offered us an hour. And he's like, "Did you? Sh- were you shopping one around? And we're like, no, they came and saw me. You know, we told them the truth. Like they yeah. came and saw me and offered it. And Netflix was cool as fuck. They were like, listen, we're backed up. Go for it. You have our blessing, which was great. Yeah, it's that great. was like, that took so much stress off me. Puff Daddy never would have done that. P. Diddy would have been like, oh no, we're going to do a collab. Diddy may have done it. Puff Daddy never would have done it. Back when he was still Puff Daddy. he was Puffy? Just, yeah. What about when he was Puffy? That's maybe what I'm talking about. Yeah, when he was puffy. Yeah. When it was big, he like, ugh. So yeah. my man puffy said, I think if you yeah. promise Netflix is special, you better come through with it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, one of the <laughs> it was one of the things I was the most nervous about because it could have shut it all down. and Temporarily. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But HBO was like, listen, we have this many, I think it was like seven specials, seven or eight specials in 2019. Do you want to be one of them? And I was like, fucking... I just want, you know, the HBO hour is like, to me, the thing. And how old are you? 30? 36. Yeah, so HBO is still like, you, you, it's the you, shit. you remember when HBO was just, it's not TV, it's, it's HBO. It was, the, it was the free weekends. <clears throat> I remember getting uh, blank tapes at, at um, like fucking Osco Drug and then taping stuff yeah. on tapes on the free weekends of HBO. Yeah. And they'd pull it on Sunday afternoons or like Sunday night, they would cut it off. It'd yeah. Suck. But, um, so then we said yes to the special and then I... I had a meeting with HBO and I kind of told him like, listen, I want to really fucking work this thing. Like I, this is December of 2018. And I was like, I want to work the fuck out of this. Can we tape in the late August, uh, late October, mm-hmm. mid to late October? Yeah. But you oh. already had 50 minutes at this time. Yeah. Okay. And so then I went and I told them I wanted to do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I wanted to do Fringe, which is just a month in Scotland where you run it every night. I've had friends that have done it. Michelle Wolf did it. So that's an. So I, I was confused when you told me about that. When you told me you were going to do that, yeah, <clears throat> I was confused about what it meant. So the Fringe Festival is a month long festival. Yeah, it starts. Uh, I believe July thirty first, and then my last show was like August twenty sixth. And it's all different people every day. It's. Uh, I mean, it's like hundreds of shows. It's hundreds of shows. <laughs> There's like you oh, can at find all different at all, all different, different clubs kinds of things. Okay, and it's like there's like uh, shows in caves. Like New York my, Comedy Festival, but for a month. It's like so beyond the scope of New York Comedy Festival. Yeah, you can't even believe it. Is, it, it dwarfs uh, everything. Scotland is a big comedy country. Edinburgh, Edinburgh specifically uh, is like a major festival. Fringe Festival is like major. Yeah, it's been around for fifty years, over fifty years. I wow. think. Wow, and. Uh, it was it was fucking cool, man. I I got to work every night. I worked this hour out in a medical school lecture hall that had like 110 seats. It was uh, I would smoke a joint like walk around, and I found this plaque that said that the first American doctor 
was trained at this medical school mm -hmm. in order to teach other doctors, and he went to Philadelphia. Yeah. So he in turn opened the first medical school in the United States from the Edinburgh Medical School. So it's fucking insane. It's like, yeah. I, lo I'm, I like, now that I'm in my 30s, I like dad knowledge. Yeah. So I love like fucking history and shit. You don't need kids to have dad knowledge. I know. No, I'm getting the grays on the side. I'm yeah. going full dad knowledge. <laughs> I usually read things and I go, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it was one of those uh, cool experiences where I just worked it for an, for a month, just every night. Sometimes in front of 13 people, sometimes in front of 110 people. And, and did you, you just, try different stuff every night? or You, you try kinda... to fuck around with shit. You yeah. try to like mess with a joke, maybe take a joke, add stuff, pull it. I learned like they didn't know who Jimmy Buffett was, so I had to explain that. Yeah. And then it was like, it would lead me to places where I'd be like, oh, you guys don't know what that is, and then I'd end up getting more of a joke explaining something. Yeah. I'm like, that explanation's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But it was fun, and it was like, I would... It's 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 the uh, it's what I think the most important thing of comedy is is just failing with it, like failing with a set is really important. I used to watch Nate Bargatze when he first started doing Conan's. He would do this thing where he would want to bomb with that set. He would fucking just run it, run it, run it, run it, run it, and he'd go into the hardest rooms. He'd go into open mics. He would just go in and he'd fucking run it. And that way, when he did it on TV, he was like, "This thing is." Perfect. Perfect. This yeah. thing is iron. This ironclad, and that's kind of what you. I think comedy. What you need to do is you need to run the. Sh you need to run the hell out of it. I was at a barbecue. And don't you get early. tired tired of telling the jokes? Fuck yeah, you hate it, but you got to find new ways to tell the joke. You got to find new ways to keep yourself interested. And that's for you, not for them. It's for everybody. Yeah. If you enjoy the joke, other people <laughs> will enjoy the joke. But it's very easy to get sick of jokes because that's something that's always confused me about comedy. Is how do you. Like, I understand if you're a musician and you're in a band, you have to play the song the way the song is played. Otherwise, people will be like, what the fuck is yeah, the this? Comedy is like, the joke is worked because the structure is, one of the hardest parts of being a stand-up comic and watching, like, listen, memes are great. My my girlfriend's like, how oh, do you like- Here we go. No, but she's like, how do you like memes? You know, like, you're a comedian. I'm like, I love memes. They're jokes. Yeah. They're, they're quick jokes. But a lot of times what they are is they're like, uh, like, set up punch. Set up punch. Yeah. Which is great. You can't do an hour of comedy of that. No way. You're not you making do bits. Yeah. You got you got to build something that that's like that lasts longer. Like I can make a statement like um like this blank 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 and that's just a sentence. Great meme, could probably murder if yeah. you get out of time, but you say that on stage it's like all right, now you're out of gas. Yeah. Where are you at? Yeah. Come, it's like, you know what I mean? Like uh it's like the difference between like arm wrestling and boxing. Like arm wrestling you just fucking push and it's like, ah, I fucking got it. Whereas boxing you throw like a big strong punch it might not end the fight. You're like, fuck, yeah. fuck, 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 fuck. And then he's got to, that's the best part of comedy is having that feeling on stage. It's just when you're like, fuck, I don't have anything else. You, I took that hour to Edinburgh and I was like, wait till you see this. It's going to be an easy month. Yeah. Cause I had it built, you know? And this was like July. I, I, I came off of doing uh, just for laughs and I ran it and I was like, this hour is about 65 minutes, 65 minutes of killer shit. And I ran it the first night in this medical school and I did 47 minutes. You got nervous? It just—I didn't do well. Yeah. I didn't do well with the jokes and the joke. I was like, my—it was like my dick got pool small, you know. Like came out and I was like, sorry, I just fucking. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh my god, oh. that's usually, not normally like this. I'm usually really ready to go. I yeah. came in like shrunkage, total shrinkage, and then it was great to work over. You know, I recorded every hour. I recorded every night. I'd go back and listen. I'd listen to things I wanted to work on. Things maybe I thought were better one night than the other night. And then by the end of Edinburgh, I'm back up to 67 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This thing. <clears throat> so then I took that hour. I came back to the States. I did like five or six weeks on the road. 
at some of my favorite clubs. I did Philly Helium. I did Portland Helium. It just kind of felt really good. But then I felt like I'm ready to get this fucking thing out. Yeah. And that now, was, ready in the sense that you felt it was complete or ready that you're you're ready to stop doing this material? Ready to stop doing this material. Yeah. I'm just ready to fucking, let's just go. Let's go. I just, it, it was JFL Toronto where I was kind of like, but by the end I was like, Nate was there. Nate's like, man, that hour's strong. And I was like, thanks, man. I'm really ready to be done with this shit. <laughs> I'm real ready to be done with it. And so that, that the nerves of taping at the Bowery Ballroom in October weren't, weren't more like, oh, God, I hope this, it's kind of like, I hope it connects. Yeah. I just hope the bat hits the ball on the sweet spot. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I wanted it to come off the bat right. And I didn't feel that way on the first show. But then you tape it. And then the second taping, you tape it. And then there's just like three days after of like. Depression weird void void head spinning i had all these people i really cared about around me and i was trying to soak that up you it's know hard. i'm lucky that i have very great friends i have great friends that people are like checking on me because they kind of know comics know that you go through this like weird postpartum depression where you're like that hour that thing that i just spent 10 months zeroed in on yeah is gone yeah i let go of it so now it's weird because you're like ah fuck well you'll get another little hit when when it comes out well, it's funny because it was like, uh, I've had phone conversations with Nate when he taped Tennessee Kid. He and I are on the phone and he's like, I don't know how to write jokes, man. He's like, I don't know if I know how to do comedy. And then Michelle Wolf taped Joke Show, which comes out December 10th on Netflix. And she taped that in July. And uh -huh. I was in Scotland and her and I, I would call her while I was in Scotland. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know if I know how to write jokes. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do it. Yeah, I got, got to do the wolf. <laughs> But uh, I noticed that they all, they both went through, like Nate went through the same thing Michelle did just three months previous. Yeah. So when I was going through it, I was like, okay. And I, I, I talked to them and I was like, I remember when you guys were going through it. And they're like, hey, you're fine. Yeah. And now I'm kind of having fun with like brand new premises that aren't really solid jokes, but I'm back. I'm like, it's always a cycle. It's like now I'm back to the point where I'm just, maybe I want to talk about this. Maybe this is funny. Yeah. And it's, so it's, um, but the, everything else I'm not good at. I'm not good at being like, how are we going to? really launch this you know like it's I hard just, man there's a lot to it there's a lot to it and yeah. hbo is like fucking man luckily they have your back and they're your top front. notch yeah. and they're coming in they're like hey answer these things and we can do the rest yeah like, thank you show up here for the poster they thank did a good you. job with gary gary goldman's yeah. special they and got it, it was out great there. talking to gary <clears throat> as he went through it because he put out a fucking amazing the great depression is fucking unbelievable they ran it a lot it's on it's still on a lot it's not on all the time as much as it used to be but love it little rel just put out live in Crenshaw, <clears throat> which i'm excited to watch it's on all the different channels they have 10 channels so if you're flipping around in the hbo's up in you know if you have verizon and all around stop by hbo latino see what's going on <laughs> see son of a garyan's espanol <laughs> hijo de el gary <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. that'd be great i hope it's on i'll definitely watch my I'll, that's the only way i'll watch my special again you would probably laugh so hard if you watched your fuck yeah dude Spanish. fuck because the noises that i make and shit whether you know with the, they have equivalents i know they have to i want to know if my shit got translated because that's the because like we were talking about being sick of the material yeah they're making me go to they're not making me they're like we're doing these screeners for people like hey come see the screeners or whatever and they have tickets or whatever and then i'm like why do i have to be there well you're the guy in the special and they're like you're the guy in the special i'm like can i come at the end and they're like yeah is that what you want and i was like yeah, you yeah. don't want to sit through your... No. How, how many screeners are they doing? Two. There's one for SAG and one for like an HBO one where they're inviting people. And like, I'm going to have some friends well, come to that. Well, I don't know. You might want to be sitting in there and listening to the laughs that you're getting watching the special. Maybe I should just do it like Ray Charles and just like like I'm blind, just stare at the ground and not watch my special, just hear the laughs. 
Well, I would be curious because to see who what who laughed at what? Not so much that, more like um cuz when it goes out on HBO, there's a, it's very hard to gauge the response. You can you can go by tweets or, you know, seeing people yeah. talking about it or whatever, but it's very hard to actually gauge the response. Being in those rooms when the special is running will give you a much better idea of what it will be like at home for the individuals watching it. Man, you just shot nerves all through me because now I'm like, all right, that's the test. <laughs> if it fucking bombs in the room, if it starts bombing, I'm going to walk out and go, Tank, it fucking, it's bombing. It Everything's going wrong. It's not going to. Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I saw you I saw you do a, whatever it was, 15 minutes at the stand of the opening. Yeah. When it was uh, like devil's oh assholes. Oh, my God. It was so hot. That's it wasn't hot where I was. Yo, I've only sweated like that a couple times on stage, and, and two of the times were this year. It was the opening of the stand, which, by the way, they corrected the problem by the time I left. Patrick really? texted me, and he was like, hey, man, sorry about that. The AC was aimed the wrong way. And you're like, well, I'll tell you where it wasn't aimed. Well, I'm traumatized. It was, but I also did um, Zanies in Nashville this summer. Uh-huh. It was like 102 degrees. Fuck. And on Thursday, the air conditioner just stopped pumping out cold air and we just pull out air. Oh, fuck that. Dude, it's the most I've ever sweat, I think in my life, but definitely on stage. It looked like I did a four hour show, like Bikram comedy. It was insane. Bikram, that's the next special. Yeah, 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 probably people (laughs) are gonna do that. Like, what, have you ever done comedy while sweating? Well, have you seen the the documentary on him on Netflix? No, but Vecchio just watched it and was like, he's a big Bikram guy and he's like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. I watched, uh, I watched, they did an interview with him on Real Sports. Okay. Um, I so love that's, the Gumbles. Both Gumbles. Bro, Real Sports, I'm not a sports fan at all. Yeah. I love Real Sports. At all? I don't Man, like God gave you the opposite body. The weirdest, yeah. The weirdest interest to go with this. Physique. If you walked in right now and I'd never met you, I'd be like, Mets, Jets, go Rangers, right? And well, like, I was a Mets, Jets, Islanders guy okay. when I was a kid. Oh no! No, I'm sorry, Mets, Giants, Islanders. Okay, so not even close. Mets, Giants, <laughs> Mets, Giants, Islanders is the weird. It's the weirdest. I know New they York don't, mixture. They don't go together. No, it's usually Yankees, Giants, Knicks. Yeah, Rangers. Yep. Or it's Mets, Jets, Islanders. Nets? Nah. Knicks. I don't like sports, man. Yeah. I, I just can't. I, I've tried multiple times. I'm, I haven't given up on sports. Okay. Do you feel like you might find one later in life, like Premier League soccer? All of a sudden, you're just super into that? No. So you know what? I watched the last sporting event I watched with any kind of um, it, like um, attachment to yeah. the outcome <clears throat> was the 2012 <laughs> Winter Olympics hockey. Okay, but also, really? I yeah, I don't know. I like hockey. I think hockey's fun to watch. It's hockey's, an interesting sport. I grew up, I didn't grow up on the East Coast, and I feel like if I would have grown up on the East Coast, I would have been a very big hockey fan, but I'm not. I really don't understand it at all. Well, it's like, there's, <laughs> my uncle used to take me to Islanders games when I was a kid. That's how you learn it. So, and my dad used to take me to Mets games, So yeah. I, I, but I just can't, at this point in my life, and the, the other, this was even before that, I got into football in like 2009 for about, Three weeks. Great. Knew what knew the games, who was playing, how everyone yeah. was doing, and then all of a sudden I was like, I don't care about this. But I wish I did because it would give me something to do. Are your kids into sports? No, my son okay. does jujitsu. Okay, well, all right, you're badassery apparently. Yeah, his family's all about taking names. <laughs> oh yeah, we like, don't want to. Son, we don't cheer on teams. We fuck people up. Yeah, we choke out. Teammates. Yeah, you yeah. want? <laughs> yeah, you know what those sissies on the football field don't know? <laughs> choke. Yeah, I grew up like Timmy's um, not playing with a broken leg. Is the he? only the only thing my dad and I could really talk about was the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that was like the only thing we like could have a conversation that wasn't bone shatteringly depressing. Yeah, 
where it's like, hey, fucking Niners look good, huh? You still love mom? Yeah. No, it's not even love mom. It's like, hey, mom's looking for you to garnish your wages. <laughs> it wasn't like, I felt like I was talking to a fucking criminal. I didn't, I wasn't, it was like, hey. Where, where you been? Why are you yeah. asking? I mean, we were joking on the bonfire, but it's true. My dad died the year the Deadbeat Dad Act came out. Oh, really? And I was like, what a buzzer beater. Yeah. What a he buzzer really beater. Didn't right go to the jail wire. at all for fucking <laughs> staying on the lamb for child support. When did he die? 97. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, 22 years ago. You were young. 14. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I talk about it in the special because it's like fun to joke around about that shit. Well, it give, you know what I you know what I like about real comedy? <clears throat> Not that other comedians aren't real comedians, just sure. like this story-based t- type of comedy where it's like, obviously I love Seinfeld, but it's like, it's bits. It's not, it's, it's nothing about him as a person I kind of like when I feel like I know the person a little bit more yeah. after the hour. Yeah, because it gives you, when you laugh about your dad dying and being a deadbeat and all that, it gives other people permission to use humor to deal with things in their lives that For they sure. are suffering from. And I think humor is the most important coping mechanism we have as human beings. Yeah, I think it's being, uh, you know, I think... That was that was important to me was to make sure that those jokes were as good as I could get them. Yeah, because you know, especially on if the they're HBO. not good, it's very depressing. Yeah, dude, I was bumming people out when I first started doing those jokes. Yeah, legit bumming people out. It's always funny to watch people get bummed out when you're just like, no, fuck, that's not. God damn it! <laughs> I've always said that uh, unfunny people don't know they're unfunny. Yeah, they just think that that's the reaction you're supposed to get. And you're like, anger's never supposed to be the action from being funny. No, you're supposed to make people laugh. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to take people to a dark place and then pull them out of it. But if you can't pull them out of it, you're just putting people in a dark place. (laughs) And it's just fucked up. And it's just depressing. That's like the... the, You're like, huh, Sudan, huh? All right, I gotta get out of here. Like the anti-comedy, Nanette or whatever, you know, the... um, the, There was a special that came out on HBO. I don't know if I should say this. I don't want to upset them. It's just it was not my style of comedy at all. I also, though, I am... You don't want me to talk about it. No, I, I know exactly what special you're talking about. <laughs> Which one? You're talking about Julio Torres's. That one was not good either. But, but that was... was like, Julio's like a very um, <clears throat> is that acquired the, taste. Is that the deaf comedian? No. The most important shapes? Yeah, most important shapes. Yeah, what the fuck was that? But it was like, that's that's the whole thing that I'm realizing right now with comedy. Is that you don't... There's no ha- rules. It, there's no rules. And also, there's, it, there's someone out there that does like that. Like, I always... When I was coming up, I think I was way too gripped tight on the idea of like, this is comedy. Yeah. It, you do this, you have to do it like this. If it's not done like this, it's not. It's like, listen, man, there's people out there that straight up suck at this shit, but God bless them. I'll tell you what. When like, I was, God bless them if they want to take a run at it, because someone might might like it, and I might be wrong, when, and I'm willing to admit that. When I was flipping through the HBOs, yeah. and I saw it, yeah. it was very aesthetically pleasing. I, I enjoyed Gorgeous. watching it for about... <laughs> five minutes and then i was like i don't yeah. get this i don't understand i think there's some weird kid in kansas city that can't talk to anybody and he sees that and he's like oh that's it that's yeah. my thing i love this comedy yeah and that's the thing that unlocks him <clears throat> so i really don't like um i don't really fucking fault anybody for trying it out yeah it's the people that know what they're doing and know that they're making a shitty product and keep being like i'm gonna keep making this it's like the difference between a good restaurant and McDonald's. Like McDonald's knows they're not putting meat out. McDonald's yeah. is like, fuck, we gave up on meat in the 60s. Yeah. There's there's people in entertainment that are making shit that they know it's shit, but they're like, a lot of people fucking like this shit. Yeah. Well, you I can't don't really think... fault them because that's also the business of, it's a business. I also think that you can't, 
I, I appreciate the fact that you can't – anytime something is singular, meaning like you can't compare it to anything, I do give it a little bit of a pass. Like I have more respect for it. So that's where <clears> – I wouldn't say that special is bad. I would just say that it was not my flavor at all. But yeah, I my know dad that, always used to say, I don't care for it. Yeah. That was the way he said it. it. I don't like shit. And yeah. I'm starting to try to use that now. Like I, for people, for things, just kind of, I don't really care for it. Yeah. Because it, then it's like, I'm not saying fuck you. I'm saying kind of like, ah, man, if you start letting go of the shit that you really kind of don't need in your life. Yeah. Actually need, not want, but like need. Yeah. Man, it's it's uh, it's something I'm trying real hard to do because I, I, I notice it's just basically like barking at the moon. Yeah. You're just yelling at something that ain't going to fucking change. Yeah. I, so, I also feel like my tastes change and there yeah. may come a time where... I'm ready for Julio Torres because I didn't like the Beatles until I was like 28. For sure. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. Dude, there's stuff. They're really good. Something that always used to bug me in comedy is when you see interviews with comedians and they're like, I used to love when I was a kid. It was like Bill Hicks and George Carlin. And it's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You were into deep political comedy at eight years old. Yeah. I liked noises, faces, and voices. (laughs) I loved fucking Dana Carvey, Robin Williams, uh, Eddie Murphy. Those are the people that that blinked and beeped, and I was nine years old, and I was like, "This is fucking this guy's hilarious." A genius. It's Billy Madison. But then you move on, and then I moved on to Pat Oswald and, and Dave Chappelle, and then yeah. Chris Rock, and then and then I went back and learned about Carlin and Pryor and Hicks yeah. and Kinnison, and you start doing that. But it's like, yeah, you evolve, you change, you you also learn shit. What's really crazy to me is like um, when I have people that watch Billions. And they're like, oh, man, I didn't know you did comedy. And then they like my comedy. And then the next thing you know, they're like tweeting at me like, dude, I found out about the bonfire. Now I'm catching up on like fucking five years of you guys just hanging out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude. That's what I mean by like not special on Comedy Central. It's like no one saw it. But that's okay. Because now hopefully they like Son of a Gary. And then they work their way and they're like, oh, fuck, I got other stuff. It still exists. I mean, it's still out there. That's the beauty of the the, I think you live by the body of your work. I think that's like. I think we're in an age of delete of, of of videos that delete and and fucking pictures that delete and all yeah. this stuff where it's like, sure, stuff can make a quick imprint, but is it is it good enough t- to last? The, I'm still proud of not special. Three yeah. years later, I'd be like, oh yeah, there's some funny jokes in that, and there's also like on this special on the HBO special, there's continuations of certain jokes. How I feel about my grandmother, my mom and I's relationship. There's this stuff where it's kind of like I got a better bit now about that. Yeah, and I kind of like that. I kind of like the fact that people can go back and be like, oh fuck, you know, I think I'm a better comedian now, but I still am like, yeah, go check my other shit out. But you're still pulling from your life experiences. Yeah, but I also think I'm just trying to get better and better and evolve over time. Yeah, I think that's something that. Uh, I always want to stay aware of is like trying to get better and and make a great book. Uh, I know you do book recommendations. <laughs> I'll drop a hot one right now called Talent is Overrated. Uh, it's a book written, I believe, by the Forbes editor in chief. Basically, what it does is it tries to it doesn't debunk Malcolm Gladwell's Ten Thousand Hours. Yeah, but it says that Malcolm Gladwell's theory is kind of right, just needs to be aimed. Mm-hmm. And it's a specific thing called applied practice, where yeah. you kind of make the thing you're the shittiest at, you work on it till it's a strength, and then you move on to the next thing you're shitty at, work on it till it's a strength. And you kind of always am like sharpening your weakest ends. Yeah. Until you're good. Yeah. Or great. You know? But it's a it's a very interesting book. Very dry read, but very good. How long is it? 
I mean, is it's it like, like a, 260 pages? So it's not like a, it's not a like 700. It's not like Guns, Gerbs, and Steel, which is my Everest. I'll fucking that read is. that thing. Are you trying to read it? Still? I tried so many times. So dense and so dry. What is it called? Guns, Germs, and Steel. Who? What is it about? It's a. It's, I think it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Oh, that's how you know it's shit. No, dude, it's like <laughs> about like how northern countries. You know, used iron to build weapons, so they had ships faster than countries in the southern hemisphere. It's like a breakdown of uh, the history of humanity and why certain countries were able to colonize, why certain countries didn't have the defense for it. So it's it. like a history book. Yeah, but it is fucking thick. That and Sapiens are the two books that I'm like. Well, that's what I was just thinking about when you were talking about the the, the overall premise of the book was yeah. Sapiens, which I didn't finish. No, dude, it, it, that's one of those things where you're like, fuck it. It's like, you know, a, a day at the gym where you're like, go here, fucking get it. I know humans. Yeah, yeah. Chris Stefano read it and was like, you got, I mean, I bought it on his recommendation. He was like, it's fucking wild, bro. And yeah. I was like, yeah, let's. Wild. It's wild. Him and Giannis, man. I fucking love the way they say wild. History hyenas. Yeah, great podcast. You listen to it? No, but oh, I've been on it. And oh, it's like. It's so good. I have fun. When I know. If, it's like a drug. Yeah. And there's really certain is. podcasts that I think I could get into. History Hyenas is one of them. I just love Giannis and Chris, and I've known them forever. Uh, last podcast on the left, which is just about like fucking cults and murder and shit, but it's uh -huh. Henry Zabrowski, Ben Kissel, um, and Marcus Parks. It's fucking unbelievable. And I know those guys, so it's fun, but it's also like really the only podcast I listen to. Huh. Because they do like the Ted Bundy murders, but then they do it in like four episodes, and it's really funny. I don't like listening to... Uh... Or watching murder stuff. No? No. Becky Owen, my roommate, I think he could be a New York City detective. He is. How many A&E shows are always on when I come home? Well, he looks like a cop. He talks like a cop. He's oh, man. obsessed with crime. I always expect when he walks in our apartment to go like, what's going on here? Yeah. Just give that, just give that <laughs> cobism. He's like, everything all right in here? And you're like, oh, sorry, uh, is it the weed smell? You know what it is? I And I, I don't even know if I should say this publicly, but I've talked about these things before, the intrusive thoughts and the, the little bit of like, uh, oh, the, it's called a harm OCD. Like I'll become fucking obsessed with the fact that maybe I'm going to kill myself or sure. kill somebody. I relate too much to the serial killers. Okay. And I don't like listening to it. And I'm like, I spend time alone. I don't know. Am I? Uh, yeah, but that's like, you have like a brain hypochondria. Yes. Where you're like, oh, I could that. That's like, I'll, I'll watch. I'm like, like a first year psych student, but yeah, forever. I'll, I'll watch like um, 60 minutes and they'll be like, there's a new cancer that's eating your bones. And I'll be like, I'll probably get that. <laughs> it's such an arrogant thing to do <sighs> to be like, yeah, dude, I'll like, something will hurt. And I'll be like, and then I'm just planning out my funeral. Yeah. This is how, that's how my life goes. Like, I'll just be sitting there being like, am I going to have a funeral in Denver or New York? Where are you going to have it, you think? Probably New York. Yeah. I live here. Easier for my friends. They can my come family out here. They can travel. Yeah, they can travel. Come on, you came out for the taping. You can come out for a funeral. Awake. Last special ever. I mean, no, knock on wood. He no. killed. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Himself at the end. <laughs> are you guys happy? All right. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> The body hits and like fuck, fuck. Stick fuck. around for the wake. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if that was your oh best hour God. of comedy, like thank you. You're never gonna do any better. No, you can't. You yeah. gotta walk off, walk oh. off home run. Oh One time God. I watched Nate Bargetti have such a fucking funny set. He just said something like he got into it with this guy. It was at Broadway Comedy Club. And he got into it with this crowd, like a, an argument. Kind of like the guy was drunk and heckling him, but Nate turned it into a really funny joke, and he's like, "I did it." 
I did it. I'm gonna move back to Tennessee. I'm gonna tell my wife I did comedy. I did what? Like I, I overcame. <laughs> he just nailed. He just nailed it. It was like we were in the room and you watched it happen. It was so funny. And he heard us laughing in the back. And he's like, I did it. I did comedy tonight. Yeah. I did the best I'm ever gonna do. He's like, I'm just gonna go home. I'm gonna drive to Tennessee. I've had that feeling with a couple of memes where I was like, I'm never gonna be able to top this. Just walk off. Yeah. Yeah. A comedy. Um, I don't know if it's just my personality, but I've, I've had times where I felt like. That was a good one. Yeah. And then immediately I'm like, could I have done better? Was it? Mm-hmm. A tiger mom myself. Are you going to be a comedian forever, you think? Yeah, I love this shit. You love it. Dude, stand-up's like... You like being on the road and being alone and shit? You it's just... a part of it. It's a yeah. part of it. It's like, no matter what you do, no matter what job, no matter if you get to live your dreams or not, there's going to be uncomfortable moments in that thing. Yeah. For me, it's traveling and being by myself. But then I get to do five shows a weekend. It's like I tell people, when people are like worried, you know, like comics are worried, they're like, ah, oh, there's a lot of tourists coming in. There's a lot of people that aren't going to stick to doing stand-up that are doing it. And you're yeah. like, well, then you know the answer. Keep doing They'll it. They'll be gone as long as... Yeah. I, if You know, I'm... <clears throat> would, I, would I like to do like theaters when I'm older and be able to do like a city in a night and then move on to another theater? Absolutely. Yeah. I always think of the line in Office Space... Where, where Peter's uh, talking to Samir and Michael Bolton, and he's like, he's like, what do you guys want to work at Enatech in 15 years? And Samir goes, I would like to have that kind of job security. Yeah. And it always makes me laugh because it's like, I'll shit on a funny bone. But then I hope I'm working there. You know, all sudden done in 20 years, if I could work now, how I work there is different. Yeah. If I'm fucking drunk emceeing, there's some problems. Yeah. But if I can come in and do a Tuesday night because I'm gonna do Lincoln the next night in a theater that's fucking awesome yeah I just I like doing stand-up I like being around comics I like uh failing at it I like succeeding at it there's just there's a lot going on and I think like acting is fun it's cool I think it teaches me how to be a better comedian something I would like to do more acting later in my life but never would I ever give up stand-up for acting yeah I don't think I'd give up stand-up for anything like maybe a sick kid yeah, that, or a sick wife. The, the where I'm at right now is the um, having the young kids at home. It's insane. Is very. I, I don't know how Chris does it. I guess Chris is. You know, he's. But Chris he's, was. You also got to understand. Chris was a comic before he had a kid. Yeah. People don't. People but he don't also he, the kid is also with his with his ex five sure. five six whatever it is. But regardless, I try yeah. to tell people that all the time. So you're not going to see them anyway. When I meet people, they're like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about getting into comedy, but I got kids." It's like just. You know, what is that? Unless, unless like, like, unless it's a burning desire where you have to do it, don't put your family through that. I would like to do it later. I would like to wait. My sons are six and two. I think in another. But by the way, you're fine. You're like, if you want to get into it when they're out of the house and just jump into it. And, but still keep doing it. No, I'm, when they're like 10 or 12 and okay. they're like over me as a human being and they don't even want me around anyway. <laughs> That's right? actually a smart 13. Right now, like, dude. Fuck you, dad. He's like, really? I'm going to go See talk ya. to strangers about <laughs> you, you little shit. <laughs> Guess what? I'm going to call. I'm going to say that you fucking cried at Christmas. Yeah. Who's like, that? You're like, everyone at fucking comic strips going to know that. Right now, my uh, my son is so attached to me. I mean, it's I great. love it. It's great. I love it. But there's no way that I could leave him on Long Island, go yeah. drive an hour and a half into the city to go do seven minutes and then come back and he's asleep already and he misses me and he doesn't understand yeah, why now his it's dad cats is... in the cradle. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah it was like he fucking, he was missing me to go fucking 
do jokes about Trump. And go make like, strangers uh, laugh. Yeah, yeah, like, go make drunk strangers laugh. I think there is a thing about They don't people, even speak English. But yeah, there's people like, what is it, barked in audience? God damn it, Dad, I thought it was a cooler hang than that. But I know comics that, uh, all my friends that have kids have been comedians and then had kids. And then that then that becomes like, well, this has to work. Yeah. So how are we going to make this work? Yeah. It's not like, hey, maybe this will work. It's like, no, nah, this is, if we're having a kid, I do this. So wh- how is this going to be balanced? Yeah. And a lot of the times it really makes their lives better. Like Chris Stefano, Bobby Kelly, Louis J. Gomez. I watch all these people have kids and they become like incredible human beings. Yeah. They're already good guys. Yeah. But like mind-blowingly incredible people, which I love. Yeah. And I love seeing that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to have kids, but I want to make sure I'm, uh, I got a foothold in this game. I think you have a foothold. I don't know. I was, I'm an only child. And what what does that mean? It means I fucking, I don't trust anything. When you're an only child, especially raised by alcoholic parents. Yeah. You just fucking nothing makes sense. So you feel like your success is not deserved and it could vanish at any moment? No, I think it's, I think I've put the work in. I think I've busted my ass for a lot of the stuff I've gotten. Yeah. But I um, don't take it for granted. Because I think that's very common to feel like the success is 99% of fluke. Most of it is timing and just whatever. My, my girlfriend's very, very good at understanding that that's a part of my personality. She's yeah. very good at being like, you deserve this. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. But she can say that. You still have to feel it. And I'm sure you feel But she's good at like like horse whispering me. Oh, you know, I like I'm like horse whisperer. <laughs> and she's like, hey, hey, big guy. Hey, big guy. But she's, uh, yeah, you, it's you great at this. it. You earn this. It's yeah. Okay. And I think that's, I think that I've never really had something that supportive in my life before. Yeah. So it's, it is. Makes it. Get... Well, Steve Jobs, before I got married, I remember hear, hearing him talking about how 99% of your success in life can be attributed to the person that you decide to spend it with. Yeah. And the situation I'm in right now, like yeah. if, like if I was to say to my wife, Hey, I, it's, I'm going for it. I'm going to yeah. be out seven nights a week. I'm going to be doing stand up comedy all over New York city. She goes to bed at nine anyway. So it yeah. wouldn't really matter that much. She'd be like, okay, yeah, have fun. Yeah, yeah, I that's think, how she was when I was doing it months ago. But I think that's what a good partnership is. Yeah, a partnership is understanding what the other person needs. And giving it to them. Yeah, because sometimes I'll talk to my girlfriend and she's stressed out at work. And I'll be like, do you want me to help you fix it? Or do you just want to talk about it? She's like, I just want to talk about it. <sighs> and I'm like, let it fucking rip. What's up? I got some good advice last night. Go ahead. I'm, I don't no, no, to cut you off. I want that. Uh, what's that good advice? Well, the good advice, it was specific to my wife. It yeah. was... Um, she was telling me about something that was going on at work. She has her own business. It's like a, a spa that she opened up. She was working out of the house. Now she's in a, a location that she, yeah. she runs and is the proprietor of. She was telling me something that went wrong and it was going to cost some money. And I was like, I feel like her fan- finances are my finances, which they are to an extent. But You're married. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, but I told her that because I didn't respond that well. And I said, honey, you got to understand, like when you tell me something when you tell me about something that's going to send you into the red, that sends me into the red also. So I'm going to respond a little differently than you telling your friend about it. And well, they it's go, like oh, when you have sucks. two dogs and one dog's barking at the door. The other dog just walks up. It's like, burr, 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 I'm with this fucking thing. What is a fucking wolf on the other side of that? You know, the dog's not like, do you want to bark or do you want me just to hear you bark? Do you bark? want me to hear you bark? Are yeah. you barking to solve a problem? Or are you barking to bark? And I was just like, fucking, fucking, I won't fucking kill you. Whoever is on the side of that door. I was like that all the time. I still am like that. Like so she so she said to me later, a couple of minutes later, our fights or this wasn't even a fight. It was just like a tense moment in the house. Yeah. They last like seven minutes. She goes, uh, 
He goes, I told you that because I, I feel insecure about the business and I don't know if it's going to work or not. So when I do tell you something that goes wrong, I need you to boost me up and tell me that I'll get out of it and I'll make up for it another way. And I was like, that's what I'll do next time. Yeah. But we've been married for like eight years and I still am not doing it right. Yeah, but uh, Most, that's some also of the like, time. you, you got to recalibrate. You got to adjust and sometimes shit evolves and you got to change and change with it. I don't yeah. fucking know. I'm like a... You know, I've always been kind of, especially in the beginning of my career, very much like, drink alcohol, stay in the shadows, I am Batman, you know? And then you realize, like, this is so unhealthy, this is so <laughs> goddamn unhealthy, and then through therapy and just trying to get better, just, uh, you just, you realize things all the time that you're like, I was doing that wrong the whole time? Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, you know when you can't turn a light on and all of a sudden you're like, there's a switch right here, and yeah. you flip it and you're like, that's what, hotels nice that happen to see. It happens all the time with me in hotels, and I think it happens in life all the time. Where you're just kind of like, "How do you get that fucking light on?" You're like, "I wasn't looking in the right place." For you got to put the key card in there. Oh, yeah, okay. you got to leave the key card in because apparently these people are fucking hippies. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's. I think that's like a stand up is a very hard thing to do alone, just completely alone. When you're completely and utterly alone doing stand up, it's very difficult. Very very difficult. So you're saying you need somebody who's going to be with you, but on your terms. Not on your terms, not at all. No, I didn't mean it like I in mean, a negative. I mean like we'll let you be around when you want to and then we'll let you go when you need I think people to. need to understand who they're with. Yeah. I think sometimes we try, I'm very guilty of this, of projecting things that I want onto people and then being upset at those people when those things don't exist. Yeah. Which is just an unfair shake for that other person. Sure. I say that in the special. I'm like dating in my 30s is me looking back to all my previous relationships and just being like, oh, it was my fault. Yeah. Like that was, I was the fucking wrong one. Yeah. Because I think I was wrong. I think everyone, if everyone took more blame in their social interactions of like, you know, I just went through something that you and I talked about recently where I was like, I got mad and I was like, fuck, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm, and you were the first person that's like, just give it some time. Yeah. And I guarantee you won't be mad. And you're like, yeah, no one's there. We don't do that enough for each other. Letting something get you mad that really isn't a thing is very easy these days. It feels like a thing, but it's you know it's not. But, and you, but, you, but you're, you're being told it's a thing, and then you're like, I don't think it's a thing. And then you're like, again, it's, it's like the dog barking at the other person on the side of the door. You don't know what's on You're just like, fucking, I'm mad, I'm fucking. And then you calm down, and you're like, oh, it's, you just went to the mailbox and then you came back. Oh, okay. Fuck, sorry. Felt oh, like a long time. I'm going to go into my bed. I thought you left forever. But I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think we can react quickly to things now. Well, it comes to, I, my wife and I had a difficult neighbor who actually wound up moving, so it worked out. But this guy would, we had a tree on the side of our property that hung over his property and he was very, very meticulous about his property. Like, yeah. he was a retired cop. He had no kids, no wife, no girlfriend, no friends. He just cleaned his property all day long, literally. But I bet it was pristine. It was mint. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. It looked uh, uh, my house looks like shit next to it. Yeah. So he, and he um, was ready for someone to break in. Always. Oh, he was ready. So my tree used to drop leaves on his property. Uh oh. And instead of bringing it to me and telling me that I needed to cut the tree down, he would rake up the leaves on the property and put what he calculated to be my portion in a bag on my property. Right. So just like, hey, I just want this to be on your what, property for the um, next. What an amount of effort for the most passive aggressive. So hey, weird. You got leaves on my property. So I got annoyed. And I said to my wife, finally, I was like, on a scale of one to 10, how angry does the bag of leaves by itself 
independent of the motivation or anything around it make you? And she's like, I don't know, a two? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but how angry does it make you on a scale of one to 10 that he thinks it's okay to do that? She's like, oh, fucking nine. Yeah. And I decided that I wasn't gonna say anything because it wasn't the bag of leaves that barred me, it was the fact that he thought it was okay to do that and that is what I applied to pretty much everything in my life. Nothing really upsets me, it's just the fact that you thought it was okay to do that that pissed me off. Yes, and I always feel like the best course of action for that is to just say something. Yeah. Because I remember when I drank and I was nauseous, mm -hmm. it was always better to throw up. Yeah. It was always better just to fucking puke. Pull the trigger. Just pull the trigger and puke. And then when you puke, you're kind of like, I could drink more. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, give me a fucking another shot of Jameson. But it is, it, and I've learned that a, a lot in the last year. Yeah. A lot in the last year with, with multiple different relationships I have with people, friends. Everybody, I've learned that when I take something, one of my best friends in the world, right before the special, we got into a thing. And I learned, oh, if I call him and talk to him like he's my best friend, mm -hmm. I can get this shit out. And then at the end, it was like, I wasn't sleeping two nights before. Because uh -huh. you know when you're doing fake fights in your head and you're like, yeah. Like I have a bit in the special about how I have shower arguments, but I lose most of them. Because uh -huh. this is where I'm at in my head. <laughs> but it's true. It's like... I'll always be like having these fights and I've learned that that energy on those fake fights is not solving anything. It's creating a thing that's not real. Whereas if I just called him and was like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. He'd be like, ah, dude, I'm a, I'm a dick. I fucked up. And yeah. Like, I knew you fucked up. I'm mad about it. He's like, I get you're mad about it. And then I fucking hung up with him and was like, <laughs> just immediately my body was like, got yeah, time to go to sleep. Oh, life is so much better. When you were talking about asking your girlfriend, do you want me to listen to this or do you want help? That kind of communication yeah. is where it's at. That's the only way anything really, I mean, people do get married and stay married. <clears throat> if I said to my wife, because what I said to her when I responded that way and she got mad, I asked her, I said, how would you like me to have responded for next time? If she was like, you should fucking know, I don't even know why, oh then my that's God. that's terrible we, communication. We wouldn't work out. But that's what it is. That's not how she people is People don't realize all. if you're just like, um, people are so quick to give, uh, you know, changes to a food order at uh -huh. a restaurant they'll tell you like if walnuts fucking come near that thing i will tear your goddamn throat out but then with their own partners if they're like hey are you mad we're going to steve's wedding and it was like yeah i kind of wanted to do that thing that i told you about with my coworkers on saturday and you didn't fucking ask me but they don't say that so no. they just hold on to it so then uh, two months from now they're like you're a fucking selfish prick and he's like ah, you're not you know what I mean? Over something that is totally unrelated. Yeah, you let it fester. You Built let it up. mold. And there, I think I'm just kind of done with that. I've learned, in the, especially in the last three months, and going through going through something like recording this special was a lot for me. And I didn't think it was going to be a lot. And I really underestimated it. Why was it bigger? Was it bigger than the Comedy Central thing? Yeah, fuck yeah. And it, was, it just I put a lot of work into it. I put yeah. a lot of fucking work into this special. Yeah. And it was, and then I finished it. And my therapist, I was like, why am I feeling like this? And my therapist is like. You're on stage every night talking about your dad dying. He's like, I don't care if it's a joke. Yeah. That still taxes you in a way. And I was sure. like, yeah. <clears throat> no, and then I feel guilty. Like, am I mocking my father in these jokes? I'm like, no, I'm showing that I can make fun of it in order to, you go through a lot of things, man. And, and then not having this hour, it's like, will I ever write an hour? Was this my best hour? Was this even good? And that's like a fucking, you can kind of go into very dark places and you need people around you to be like, hey, come on, come up. Let's go get lunch. Let's walk around. Yeah. Like I have my friends, Gary and Sarah that live north of the city. They were like, Hey, just, it was before I even taped and I was kind of in this weird headspace. and they're like, come hang out with us and our kids on Friday. Yeah. And we went up there. We, we barbecued ribs. We fucking 
you know, I watched your son dance around and wreck a bunch of stuff in the basement, which was fun. Made you grateful to be alone, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> God damn, coming in bags really does have a benefit. <laughs> but no, we were like making up games, and it was like, it, and when I left, I, I felt more human. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like a horse, a racehorse. Yeah. We're like, run, 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 run. And then like, good job, you ran your race. And then you're done running your race, and you're like, Thankless. no one's here? Yeah. yeah. Just, there's no one there. I don't know. It's yeah. a, a thing that I'm... Trying to let go of the bullshit and just keep uh, working on stuff. Well, sounds like you're doing a good job. We have to wrap up because uh, we're over an hour. Oh, went fast again. Uh oh, again. <clears throat> um, December seventh, ten p.m. Yeah, son of a Gary HBO special. There it is. Congratulations. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I hope fucking people dig it. That's really what I want. It's only one way to find out. That screening. Run, <laughs> run that race. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming back here. Dude, Hopefully of course, we'll man. I always again. have a good time hanging out. All right. Bye. Bye.